We are live in the studios of Beyond Academics. This is the Future X Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Abraham. Great to have you listening in. Today, we're getting a chance to visit with Dr. Rufus Glasper. You may have heard of him. He's the uh, CEO of the League for Innovation in the Community College. Prior to that, he served as the Chairman Emeritus and the Chancellor Emeritus of the Maricopa Community College Network. Prior to that, he was a Vice Chancellor and a CFO. He's really spent his entire lifetime in higher education and has an incredible vantage point these days as he oversees the League for Innovation in the Community College because he's working with hundreds and hundreds of presidents and chancellors all over the country as they navigate these very interesting and rough waters that we're going through in higher education. And Dr. Glasper, one of the first questions I want to ask you is one that's been on my mind for quite a while is what are the things that keep a senior leader today in higher ed awake at night? You know, a few years ago, it was one set of issues. This pandemic thing has probably brought a whole different set of issues. I just want to contrast with you. Has a lot changed in the things that keep him up at night compared to even a year or two or three ago? And if so, could you identify the top one, two, or three things? It'll just help us get inside the head of these senior leaders and the things they're dealing with. Joe, thank you for the opportunity to join you today. Uh, In response to your question, I would say that the that particular question is 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 more narrowly focused right now, primarily due to the pandemic. Uh, I would say that the items that uh, were keeping chancellors and presidents up a year or two ago are some are still the same uh, around the reopening uh, for the uh, for the fall. I think is a major focus of our colleges right now. And in addition to that would be the enrollment financial that was on the list previously. And but the whole notion of the duration of the pandemic, I think, is a is 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 that particular area of focus that is causing the whole notion to actually lend itself to a title that's even broader. And that is what is the future of colleges and universities uh, after this pandemic? and the way that our colleges have have moved away from some traditional practices uh, for the short term, which may which may turn out to be uh, the long term as well. Dr. Glasper, here's another question for you, and this has to do with this whole thing of the new normal that we're heading into with higher ed. You know, there's no crystal ball, and everyone seems to think they have an opinion on what the future holds, but people like you really do have an interesting vantage point on that. What are at least one, two, or three things you can think of that for sure are going to be different as we enter this new normal? Well, I will capture this particular um, question under the the topic of the evolving fear factor of change. Mm -hmm. Uh, So many of our colleges and universities uh, had not stepped fully into the virtual space, and I would say that the focus on workforce careers, including uh, skill development, reskilling, and upskilling, our uh, are really pushing uh, in terms of the, what the future holds. Uh, everyone's going to be asking the question: Do I have the adequate skills to be as successful in this new environment? And if not, what are some of the skills that I need to have? And I would say that increasing the necessity to enhance digital confidence and dexterity is going to be first and foremost in companies, uh, professional development, and in the individual because with so much being moved online, uh, people may not have had the skills that's necessary 
and how many of our student support services uh, we will find can go fully online uh, and what are the, going to be the skill sets because safety is going to be uh, major. And then the last one that I would say is the awareness that strategic planning cannot be static. Uh, many of our colleges went to their strategic plan, went to their incident uh, plans and found that the pandemic uh, was nowhere in place. The discussion and the need for training, uh, the need for awareness and um, the safety issues relative to it are unprecedented in, in, in the uh, experiences that we've had in the past. So that brings up an interesting conversation. What about strategic plan? As it relates to a strategic plan, you know, every school has a strategic plan. It's nice and thick and on a, in a binder and, and on a shelf somewhere. What advice would you give schools right now as it relates to the strategic plan? Do, should they be executing the original plan from a year ago as always? Should they shelve it completely and build a whole new plan? What advice would you give people who are neck deep in planning and solving some, some pretty big problems? Uh, I, I would say that there is a sense of urgency right now that would probably say, why don't you put your strategic plan to the side for the short term? Mm -hmm. uh, when we started this in, in March, I would say folks thought the short term could be three months. Uh, and now we're, it's looking, it's pushing into six months and looks like it may be beyond that. Uh, but there, there's a need to have a, a plan now that will take us from the three-month period to the six-month period to possibly nine months or 12. And, and I think that that requires new thinking. Uh, that requires uh, the assessment of, of new circumstances. Uh, but at the same time, uh, I would develop that new short-term plan and, and lie it next to the, uh, the outline of, of our current strategic plan to see where there might be opportunities to, to stay on task. Because what we are hoping is that uh, this will flatten out. Uh, it'll go away. Uh, there'll be an opportunity for us to, to move back to some of the items that we thought were important in our previous plan. But I think as we look at our previous plan, we probably will look at it through a different lens. You know, Dr. Glasper, the picture that came in my mind as you were describing this proposed strategic planning process where you've got a bigger plan, but you drop down a smaller plan, the picture that was coming to my mind is actually Star Wars. And you know those uh, imperial galactic warships that were just huge and massive, kind of like the main strategic plan? But then every once in a while when it was time to go exploring, when it was time to go do something more nimble, a smaller shuttle would drop down from the bigger ship and go visit the moon or go visit or do some exploring. That's the picture that comes to my mind of what you're describing. And I think it's brilliant because what you're suggesting is the larger plan stays in place, but these more nimble, let's call them entrepreneurial, innovative plans have to drop down in times of existential change that don't hurt the major plan, but aren't limited by the major plan either. Well, I mean, as you're describing it, I, I can see that visual. And I, and I believe it, it is uh, it's analogous to what, uh, what we're going through right now. Uh, all of our strategic plans, at least the ones that I've been involved in uh, over the last 45 years or so, uh, they are built around an institution's vision, mission, and values. And that's, what, that's your litmus test. That's where you go back and you try to make sure that what you had put in that strategic plan 
that was based upon those particular characteristics. I mean, they're still relevant now. And in many cases, they might have a, a focus that, that has been, been heightened. Uh, for example, the digital divide uh, has, has been it just exacerbated. Uh, and that focal point is there. I'm sure it was in that previous strategic plan, but now you're talking about how can we enhance that? How can we increase that? How can, how can we think about our future capital purchases or technology purchases in a way that uh, will ensure that we, if our students run into this kind of issue again, that there is capacity within 250 miles so that, that, that they have access to Wi-Fi. And I think we, we wanted to address those at that, at that particular point in time when we were building the plan, but we didn't sense it at the heightened level of, uh, of urgency as it is now and that the, at the level of disadvantage that it puts minorities and low income and others uh, rural institutions uh, in, in, in a situation that, that's uh, disproportionate to any that may be in the metropolitan areas. I really like this. And I, just to say it out loud of what I'm learning from you through this process, and I hope our, our listeners are as well, is you've got the larger plan informed, hopefully, by the vision and mission but then you're identifying certain initiatives that were part of that plan that were really important to the plan that now need to be accelerated or given some careful attention. And those get pulled out and in a more nimble approach are put in the hands of the innovative minds on the campus to say, OK, here's some entrepreneurial freedom to problem solve now for the new normal so that we're not trying to repave the old road the way we've always done it before. We do have to find new pathways for some of these things in order to not just survive, but thrive. This really actually sets up a good segue for me to the topic I wanted to cover with you today for sure, which is on leadership and culture, right? So if organizations rise and fall on leadership and culture, what are two or three things every higher ed institution needs to be doing right now as it relates to preparing leaders and fostering that right culture that allows for this, these mini innovations to take place on the way to more transformative innovation across the whole college? Joe, I will put this under a, a category that I believe would be challenging the institutional culture. And, and I think all of our institutions should have some level of challenge in terms of discussing, reaffirming, uh, looking at the current situation, the financial environment, the student environment, the ecosystem environment to find out whether or not you, you should have been assessing the culture. And, and the, the questions that I would propose to them is assessment of the, it's time for an assessment of the institutional culture and its need for change. Uh, and, and, and that should probably be a part of that strategic plan as they think about it, because it should happen periodically. Uh, I don't think that the culture uh, should be something that is also static because whether we think about it or not, uh, there are elements of culture that move and, and we need to be as flexible with that as well. Also, determining the characteristics of a leader who may be the right fit to lead institution and also change the culture. What I have found in my career is that many of our institutions uh, are hiring presidents recognizing the culture that they have and are making decisions as to whether or not that individual will be the right fit 
And during my experience also in hiring presidents, uh, I have had to make decisions on the fact that they were not the right fit for the culture. And they were not open-minded enough to work with the culture, to understand the culture uh, prior to coming in and wanting to make change. The, the last thing on that that I would say is that there needs to be a, a, a level of establishing and increasing attitude for engaging and, and managing the risk within an organization so that the culture of an organization can adapt uh, to a leader uh, during times like this, during times of a pandemic, uh, mm -hmm. during times of a disaster, of a flood. And, and culture is not, a, you can't establish culture during a crisis. You have to establish culture when you can have the opportunity to have an ebb and flow and then your culture evolves so that when a crisis occurs, then the culture can help pull the organization together and sustain itself through a crisis and beyond. We're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, Dr. Glasper, I'd love for you to share with us a mini audit, maybe a few questions you would have us ask of ourselves within higher education to, at, to just kind of evaluate how our culture is doing, how ready is our culture, how prepared are we for some of the transformation ahead Guide us through that with a few questions, William. We'll be right back. Are you a higher ed leader with some big decisions to make on the horizon? Do you find yourself in uncharted territory as you navigate the outcomes of the pandemic and try to anticipate what the new normal will look like for you and your constituents? These are challenging times when budgets are razor thin, timelines are surprisingly short, and the pressure to innovate and survive is like nothing higher ed has ever seen before. This certainly isn't a time to try and go it alone. And you don't have to. Talk to Beyond Academics. Our seasoned staff of strategic advisors and operational catalysts are here to help you solve even the most complex problems in areas like increasing enrollment, becoming a digital campus with global reach, creating affinity with students when they are not on campus, and so much more. As an introduction to us, and to help leaders like yourself navigate these rough waters, the Beyond Academics partners and senior advisory staff are hosting complimentary whiteboard sessions. These two to three hour strategy sessions are filled with problem solving, ideation, innovation, and sharing of best practices, rooted in experience, but based on the most relevant and current strategies. You'll come out of your whiteboard session with fresh ideas, clarified perspective, confirmation of strategic direction, and feeling empowered to take on the challenges ahead. There is no cost and no obligation to participate, and there certainly is no sales pitch at the end. This is simply Beyond Academics' way of giving back to higher ed, while giving senior leadership teams at campuses around the world an opportunity to experience how we think and operate. The best part is that every whiteboard session we host is private and exclusive to you and your team. To learn more and request your complimentary whiteboard session, visit beyondacademics.com slash whiteboard. That's beyondacademics.com slash whiteboard. We're here with Dr. Rufus Glasper. We've having a great conversation. I'm learning a lot on this topic of leadership and culture. And uh, right before we left, Dr. Glasper, I'd ask you to kind of prepare a couple of thoughts for us on how can we do a mini audit? What are a few questions you would ask us if we were sitting across the table from you evaluating our culture? What would be some questions you would ask us to help us identify how ready we really are? One of the first questions I would ask 
is why is culture important for institutional success and leadership success? Because if you're asking that in question of, of your students, faculty, and staff, governance, or your community, it would give you a sense of their value of culture and whether or not they think it plays a role in your decision making or not. Uh, and many, many times people underestimate the, uh, the impact of culture in terms of decision making and in terms of leadership success. Another question would be define your culture over time and has it changed? And if so, why? If not, why not? Uh, be, because history would, would, would imply that for community college presidents or other presidents, but especially within the space that I'm familiar with, a president is more successful if they're in an institution five to seven years because they have understood the culture, they have been able to work within the culture and or modify the culture, uh, and they've been able to bring others on board to ensure success of the institution. The last question would be, does your institution have a culture of inclusiveness, engagement, and respect for the ecosystem in which it resides and for the students, staff, and faculty it serves? Uh, when I was uh, the chancellor for the Maricopa system, inclusiveness, engagement, and respect were pillars that I asked our institutional uh, workers and community to be involved in and to hold me accountable as it relates to the culture that I was trying to establish. And those particular characteristics didn't negate the current culture or didn't negate any change or future culture. It just says if we have these as pillars, inclusive and, uh, inclusiveness, engagement, and respect, as we talk to one another, then culture could ebb and flow uh, as appropriate. Oh, that's fantastic. Thanks for sharing that. One, one last question I have for you, and it has to do with, you know, lots of articles coming out now from all kinds of experts claiming various numbers on what the future holds as far as um, the failure rate, or let's call it the demise of certain schools and institutions, right? There's, a, there's some people saying it's the list is dozens. Some people are saying the list is hundreds of schools that aren't going to make it. Well, first of all, how do you feel about that? And do you feel the same way that there's going to be that much catastrophic fallout? Uh, and more importantly, what are three things we can do to make sure our school or university is not on that list? First and foremost, I would look to establishing a mindset to change the traditional definition and the model of existence. Uh, we can no longer look at our traditional structures within our institutions and ignore the fact that education are businesses. And when you talk about education as a business, many educators don't like to hear that. But if you start thinking about education as a business and what are some of the, the risks and challenges of maintaining and content, continuation of a business, then I think you will, will be more successful. Uh, the impact on students and the institution will be 
uh, improved if you developed a culture of innovation and entrepreneurship uh, so that students have the ability and the organization has an ability to, to think smarter, to act quicker, and to think more innovatively and entrepreneurially uh, in their daily activities, then they can have an ability to uh, sustain themselves during times of crisis. And, and lastly, what I thought about was the notion of redefining our fundraising model to have education move at the speed of business, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, as we look at funding opportunities for higher education in general, we always look at the relationship that we may have with members of our business community. But within the community colleges, we've looked at the relationship in terms of a business advisory, uh, and they've had little impact in terms of an adequate process of taking a curriculum that takes 10 months or so to respond to a need that is in 10 weeks. And if we can do this, I think we can impact the workforce and we can include what we do best. And that is be responsive to the workforce community, but be responsive at a speed and an opportunity that will save them costs in terms of hiring, in terms of training, retraining, reskilling and upskilling. And I think we can establish a revenue base uh, in a community college environment that has been unprecedented than in the past. Ah, uh, yes, that makes a lot of sense. Dr. Glasper, thank you so much for being with us today. You know, we could spend hours talking more and more about these topics and many more, and I'm sure we'll have more opportunities to do that together. But, you know, my big takeaways from today in visiting with you is one of the words that comes to mind is helicopter. You're reminding us stay in the helicopter and keep a longer-term vision uh, of, of what we're doing, and let's not get caught in the weeds of some of the short-term setbacks that we're dealing with. Uh, you've encouraged us to be hopeful there, that there's a great, bright future ahead for schools that do embrace innovative ideas, both within the school and maybe go outside to get some great ideas. Those are the ones that are going to survive and thrive. And then this visual that we had of these nimble little innovative plans that break out of the larger strategic plan so that they can get the attention they need and get the breathing room they need, because that's what's going to prepare us uh, for the new normal. Uh, any closing thoughts as we finish up today? Uh, my closing thoughts would be, uh, as you were describing, uh, stay in the game. And, and don't, don't take the term game as being a de minimis term. Uh, there are a number of activities that are going on right now that I think are extremely positive. Uh, the awareness that we are re that we all are, are seeing across the country in terms of uh, what is working and what is not. Uh, this is an opportunity for us to evaluate and change as appropriate. We're not talking about wholesale change, but it starts with the attitude and the engagement of more people uh, in the decision making and the need for more uh, opportunities for micro credentials, uh, employment through the short term that can put people back to work so that they can get a, a degree or certificate. If they want a degree, whatever they do in the short term should be stackable to a degree. Uh, I mean, the, the, the education of a two-year or a four-year uh, is still a dream that we should all aspire to, but it doesn't mean that we should forego the opportunity to uh, uh, support our families in the short term and in the long term and help rebuild our economy and rebuild it in a safe environment 
uh, and it, it eventually have a balance between traditional programming and programming in the new economy. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Glasper, for that great insight. This is the FutureX Podcast. Joe Abraham, your host, signing off and looking forward to our next time together.